Blog Talk Radio. Those who need goods and services don't want to be sold. And those who have goods and services are oftentimes scared to sell. You have tuned in to Debt Free Wealth Radio. Trudy Behrman here. Our website is debtfreewealthradio.com. Debt Free Wealth Radio is a production of trudybearman.com. Thank you for taking us along with you as you're listening in on your mobile phone, on the web, through Stitcher Radio or iTunes podcast. Welcome. I invite you to come on board as we explore all things money that ultimately leads to equipping you to enjoy lifestyle upgrades the debt-free wealth way. Let me guide you to debt-free wealth. Afraid to sell? Starve. If selling is slimy, you are doing it wrong. Those who have ventured into entrepreneurship sometimes fail before they pass the starting line because of how they view sales and selling. Indeed, the image that comes to mind is often the slimy car salesman who hollers and wears cheap suits. Although the field of sales has evolved, the perception hasn't changed too much. Those who need goods and services don't want to be sold, and those who have goods and services are sometimes scared to sell. And some, some have figured this thing out and moved from profit to massive profit, happily picking up all the mishandled, overlooked customers along the way and in the process creating raving fans. If selling is slimy, you are doing it wrong. If you know anything about your host and this show, you know that I'm unapologetically Christian. So as a result, I must share with you some biblical insights on the concept of selling and building a base of fans. If you're in sales, own a business, or you're building an organization, this show is for you. If you're a Christian in sales, a Christian who owns a business, or a Christian who's building an organization, then this show is even more relevant to you. Now, pretty much all of my income has come from sales. When I was in college, I sold cookies that I homemade to the athletes, coaches, and hardcore fans who hung around during practice in the season just before the football session took over because I was at the college where the Miami Dolphins trained on our college football field. When I was out of college and freshly married, I started a home-based business designing and manufacturing swimwear, which ultimately led to me owning a factory and internationally selling my stuff. Post that divorce, I headed up the frequent flyer program of Air Jamaica Airlines, and that program had just barely started. Within three years of my being there, I grew the membership of the Frequent Flyer Program by 212% and was instrumental in adding key partners like the Delta Code Share and other hospitality vendors that went on to help um, our Frequent Flyer Program become what it was. Then remarried and relocated to Tampa, I opened Health Coach Plus, which still exists today. 
in a version of what it was back then, my health and safety business. And by year two of that, I was paying taxes on $55,000 worth of income, and that was back in 2003. I also got my real estate broker's license, my insurance license, and since the recession of 2006 to 2010, I have lost, sorry, I have launched several branches to my brand, Debt Free Wealth. I have Debt Free Wealth Vacations, Debt Free Wealth Radio, which you're listening to right now, Debt Free Wealth Academy, and of course, I've authored a few books. I've also been in network marketing. If anyone can speak about selling, I think I qualify. The thing is, at any given moment in time, I'm often on the other side of the table as well. And sometimes I am the one being approached for the sale whether it's because of the ads demanding my attention or a solicitor who has called my phone or the sales rep in the store. There are times when I am being sold or sold to. Now, in those moments, I have developed a sense where I become keenly aware of how I feel in the process. Sometimes I have a totally forgettable experience, blah, 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 no biggie, nothing to remember, and sometimes I have a truly memorable experience, but that memory is not always a good one. Sometimes that memory is terribly negative, but every now and again, I'm pleasantly surprised with the service, and that too is a memory that's unforgettably positive. Now, if you're in sales at any level, the first thing I'm going to invite and suggest that you do starting right now is to become more aware of how you feel when you're on the other end of the sales experience. And if you happen to have had a great experience, please do the the server or the sales rep a favor and write a note or find a supervisor and let them know you've had a pleasant experience. This profession is so loaded with complaints. And if you have a customer experience, since you yourself are in sales, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Thank them and highlight the positive it will probably encourage a repeat performance. I'm almost able to guarantee that. I truly find it amazing that the majority of working adults today shy away from sales as a career. In truth, we're all in sales whether we like it or not. It's just some of us earn an income in the process and others do not. Now, according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, sell is defined as to exchange something for money, to make something available to be bought, or to persuade or influence to a course of action. Every time you convince a friend to see your point of view, you're selling. To convince your boss that you need the day off is selling, except in neither of those cases did you receive a financial reward for your effort. The old-fashioned used car salesman's picture is so iconic of how people perceive sales. Those who still use that model today do exist. There are still many car commercials that still have the loud, in-your-face guy insisting that he has the right car for you. However, some smarter companies use pretty female models who speak seductively to convince you that you need a high-end sports car, not only to confirm your masculinity and financial prowess to the world, but of course to attract the pretty young thing to your side. Sales truly has morphed over time. Now you can actually be at the counter of Burger King taking orders, ringing up sales, but instead of a commission, you get an, a per 
hour wage. And I know a lot of people would rather take the sales job at Burger King for under $8 an hour than try their hand at commission-based sales or performance-based sales. Why is that? Amazingly, it is only since the very recent industrial era when war forced our men off their land to fight and the women left the land to make weapons that this new existence of earning an income from a J-O-B came to be as we know it today. This is very recent history, folks, just a bit older than Martin Luther King's March for Equality. Prior to that era, men and women were relatively independent, living on their own land and living off that land. And sales always existed from the earliest of history as people groups traveled and exchanged their wares for other things that they themselves could not produce. Nations became wealthy because of trade, exchanging gold, fragrance, salt, and fabrics, to name a few. How a rich history of personal independence from our, for our existence morphed into a total dependence on a J-O-B and how a personal and na- national wealth-building formula of sales morphed into paranoia for the career happening just a generation or two actually amazes me. I hear all the time how people say they want a steady job so they can have job security. Now, these are the same people who either have no job, have a job they hate, or are not earning enough enough from the job they do have, yet they incredibly equate security with a very insecure thing. If you need someone else to give you the job and someone else to help you keep that job or to keep that job open for you, then you have no control. And where there is little or no control, you can hardly consider that a secure experience. The only thing, as far as I'm concerned, this is Trudy Behrman of Debt Free Wealth Radio speaking, the only thing, as far as I'm concerned, that a job is, is a cash flow plan. That's it. That's all a job is. And from here on, that is my definition of a job. It is strictly a cash flow plan. A job with a scheduled payment system is a cash flow plan and nothing more. Nothing is wrong with having a job. And please do not hear me say as if I'm saying there's something wrong with having a job. I have total respect for those of you who have jobs and work hard at it. All I'm saying is don't equate it with security. A job is just a cash flow plan. Do not ascribe any more value or weight to it than that. Because if you do, my friend, you are building your house on sand. It will not take very much for that job to fall apart on you. So for those of you who have braved the status quo and headed into sales, I say bravo. However, if you're venturing into sales and now you're afraid or not having much success at it, maybe you're doing it wrong. Now, the industry has been teaching for decades, A, B, C, always be closing, always be closing. The thing about it is that when you close something, when you close something, um, you know, I know what they're trying to say is to, to bring the transaction to an end. But really and truly, when you close something, you shut off from. And to always be closing is to, is to go through and satisfy, satisfy maybe a situation, but you're not necessarily improving a condition, and you're certainly not opening the door for a future, a future ex, uh, experience because you're closing. You're closing. So I honestly don't ascribe to the always be closing. In fact, 
a funny story, a real story. Years ago when I was um, studying for uh, insurance, I interviewed with a company, and I won't name the company. And before they even speak to you, before the interviewer even speaks to you, they give you a personality test or some kind of test. And I did the test. And when I sat before the interviewer, so apparently I got the score they were looking for, the guy literally was scratching his his head and he said to me, you are an anomaly. He says, you have the score we're looking for, but at the same time, it says you're not a strong closer. (laughs) And I, I actually was happy that that reflected that because I said to him and I stand by this till this day, I said, I am not going to twist someone's arm just to make the sale. I hate regret purchases. I can tell you as a fact, people, I have had times where I've purchased something and taken it right back to the store. Do you know what I'm talking about? A regret purchase. I thought at that moment that they closed the sale, but it was not a happy transaction. I do not ever want to someone's arm. That has never been my strategy, never will be. I have never been money motivated, and for me to just, close the sale, collect your money, and I think that that's a, a good exchange has never been my uh, concept of a good transaction. In fact, I know uh, some of you may have heard of the win-win, and that truly is a way to go, but I even sometimes look for the win-win-win. The win-win-win is like when the transaction happens and there's a third beneficiary. For example, if you purchase tickets to a fundraiser, the fundraiser raises the money, you get the nice dinner, but the, the kids, the orphanage, the kids at the orphanage get an improved quality of life. That's an example of a win-win-win. Those are excellent transactions, guys. Those are, those, that is what a sales experience truly should be about. Now, there's some things that can interfere with sales. If you have a confused client, that's going to be a slow-acting client. If you have not given them enough information to make a decision or the information is presented and is confusing, you are not going to get a transaction to, to go through to the end. And it also may even cost you your money and your reputation. And it is a, it's just a, a process, really. And if you have an, exciting, an excited client, you're going to have a fast-acting client. And a fast-acting client, which is one of the things that I, I, I learned during the whole process of the Frequent Flyer Program. The Frequent Flyer Program showed me the value of a repeat customer. It's so extensive to get a customer the first time around. But it is way cheaper to keep that customer once you've had them. And in my business, I have had repeat customers. And that is a difficult thing these days because customer loyalty, loyalty is, is, is not like it used to be, okay? But there is still customer loyalty out there to some degree. But I promise you, if you, whatever you do and you get that sale, it is making awesome experience that there will be an opportunity to repeat the process. So you're opening the door when you, when you have a sales transaction. If you look at it that way, guys, you are opening the door to a phenomenal relationship, not closing doors. In fact, this is my position. I sell nothing. But 
I will give you the opportunity to buy from me. It's an opportunity to buy from me. I sell nothing because, and, and it's not that I don't sell anything. It's just the whole concept of the word sell because even though the definition has and is still to exchange something for money, to make something available to be bought or to persuade or influence a course of action. Are you hearing that, guys? This is massive weather out there. Um, if you hear it, it's thunder, lightning, serious weather here in Tampa, Florida. But, um, yeah, it, it, people don't want to be sold. They, even though the definition exists, there, there is still this negative idea of, of what the word sell is. So I sell nothing in terms of the, the perception of what selling is, but I will give you the opportunity to, to buy from me. If you are constantly, if your sales process is can I take your order, if this is how you're doing sales, you're, you're doing it wrong. Don't be an order taker. Instead, speak to the person's desire. Show them how you can enhance their life or give them back precious time or increase their wealth. I mean, I have been to restaurants and I get the can I take your order or I get that person comes and says, may I interest you in the blah, 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 and then they begin to describe that meal with, with such flavor that it, um, my mouth is watering before they've gotten to the end. Don't be an order taker. Show how you, your product, your service can enhance your life, give them back precious time, increase their wealth, or whatever. Selling is simply an offering of an opportunity to help someone solve a problem or a need. Repeat that. This is my definition. Selling is simply an opportunity to help someone solve their problem or solve their need. Don't overcomplicate it. Proverbs 11, verse 26 says, People curse those who hoard their grain, but bless those who sell in time of need. Let me repeat that. Proverbs 11:26. People curse those who hoard their grain, but bless the one who sells in time of need. I'm going to put this in a bit of context here. When Egypt... If you know the Bible story, Pharaoh got this dream of seven fat cows that were absorbed and eaten by seven skinny cows, and they were horrible-looking cows. And Joseph um, interpreted the dream as God gave him the interpretation and said the seven fat cows represented seven awesome years of bounty, and the seven lean cows represented some famine years that were coming, and that would so eat up all the years of bounty that it would be forgotten. We just went through a period like that, guys, and I promise you, before the recession, there was absolute bounty. That's why there was a bubble that busted, because in, during that time, people were making money hand over fist. But then the recession that followed literally swallowed it up to the point that we forgot the good times. Now, in that time of bounty, because of the, um, the prophecy, Pharaoh under Joseph's instructions, he put Joseph in charge. They stored the grain. And when there was famine in the land, they sold it. And people were so happy to buy it because the alternative was death. Think of that times when there are hardships, tsunamis, um, whatever, some kind of disaster. And there's no clean water. And people show up with cases and cases of water. Can you imagine if I had a case of water and you were thirsty and there was no clean water for you to drink and I told you you couldn't have any of my water? That incites riot, people. This is why the verse says in Proverbs eleven twenty six, people curse those who hoard their grain, 
but bless the one who sells in time of need. You're simply exchanging something for the money. You're solving the problem or the need. Don't look at selling any other way. If you are trying to rip somebody off, con somebody out of self-serving, it's just a win on your end. You're doing it all wrong. It should be an exchange that blesses someone because you have solved their need, solved their problem. Okay, Second Kings 4, verse 7, the verse says, She came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debt. Then you and your sons can live on what's left. Now, the context for that, I've actually written a book called The Creditors Are Coming. The Creditors Are Coming. It is available for sale on Amazon.com. But... If you contact me as a result of this show, and if you're listening to this show, however you found me, there will be a link to contact me. If you contact me because of this show, I will gift you that book, The Creditors Are Coming, in where I look at the story in 2 Kings 4, and the verses 1 through 7. And in context, this, is the, this, is, this woman is a widow. Her husband has died. Her husband was a man of God, but he had put his family in debt, massive debt, and died, leaving them not with a legacy of wealth and money, but he left his wife and young children in debt. And the creditors were coming, and they were coming to take away her two sons. And Elijah said to her, what do you have in your house? She says, I have nothing but this flask of oil. And he, the miracle was she was to collect these jars from her neighbor and fill. And her limitation was just as many jars as she had. And when she was done filling, the, 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 the oil kept pouring until all the jars were filled. And then Elijah said, now this is the, the verse here, go sell the oil and pay your debt. Then you and your sons can live on what's left. This, the book goes into this in more detail. But guys, here's just go sell the oil. Prior to this, this would have been some housewife. Her husband was some big well-to-do, you know, in the, in the religious world. And if you know anything about that era, he would have been top dog. And here, so she would have been, you know, a woman of, of standing. And now she's going to go and sell. There's nothing wrong with selling. There was nothing wrong with selling. This was how God had solved her problem. He said, go sell the oil. This was a miracle. And she was to go sell the oil. In Leviticus 25, verse 14, it says, If you sell anything to your neighbor or buy anything from him, neither of you is to exploit the other. Here is a formula for the selling transaction. You are not to exploit the other. The person who is buying something and has not been exploited is happy to make the purchase. They feel all the better. When you go into a store and you exchange your money for a fabulous outfit and you put it on and you feel incredible, you don't feel bad about the money you gave up for that because you've exchanged your money for this feeling, for this moment, for whatever. You, but when you, when you feel exploited, it's never a positive experience. So here the Bible has given us the formula for selling. If you sell anything to your neighbor or if they buy anything from you or you in return are buying something from someone, you're not to exploit that person. Proverbs 31, verse 24, she makes linen garments and sells them. She supplies the merchants with sashes, and it goes into way much more. The Proverbs 31 woman is a woman who is an entrepreneur. And there's so many verses in, in Proverbs 31, but ladies, you, all of you who are trying to stay away from a career in sales, please, I encourage you to go and read the entire chapter of Proverbs 31. This is the woman who builds her house. 
and she is an entrepreneur. She considers the land and she buys it. She's an entrepreneur and she sells merch, sells, she supplies, she supplies the merchants with satchels. She even makes linen garments and stuff. And she takes a product and she makes something and adds value to it and sells it back for a profit. Ladies, I'm telling you, Luke 22 verse 36 says, but now he said, if you have a wallet or a pack, take it. And if you don't have a sword, sell your robe to buy one. This is Jesus talking to his disciples just before he's about to sell them out. Sell your robe to buy one. In other words, do a transaction to get the money you need to buy something else that you do need. Sell your robe, you probably have tons of those, to buy a sword, to buy something else that you need. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. So listen to me, people. We just have a few minutes left in the show. There is nothing wrong with selling if you do it right. There is nothing. It is, it is, it is the way that nations have been built. Profits have been made. People have risen in wealth. There is nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with sale okay nothing so i just would suggest though that you know if you're in this business instead of spamming people and always looking for the self-satisfaction of just you getting the money and it doesn't matter if you sold them junk or if you cannot get behind your product if you can't love the product the service yourself if you cannot see the value and how you believe that what you are selling or offering is of such value. There are going to be people who say no because not everybody needs what you have. But if you truly believe that what you have is going to enhance and benefit someone else, then you can openly, honestly, with all integrity, offer this thing. I'm going to suggest, though, that, you know, when you go out there, who knows you? It's like this radio show, guys. For some of you, this may be the first time you're hearing me. I've been on the, on the air since 2011, but for some of you, this may be the first time you're hearing me. You know, this radio show started out as my way to offer value. It, it, this is one of my ways of offering value. It costs you nothing to listen to this show. On top of it, it also helps to, help to establish credibility. Who the heck is Trudy Behrman? Do you know me? Some of you have never seen me face to face. But if you've listened to me today or to shows that I've had in the past, you can, you can get a sense of who I am and my, my passion and, and all the, the lessons and things that I've been teaching over time. And this is a way to help me establish credibility with you. There are other ways that you can do the same in your business. Always offer value first. Establish your credibility. People need to trust you before they are willing to do business with you. And people tend to do business with people, not necessarily organizations, unless the organization has become an icon on itself. But, guys, you want to offer value first. Now, there's this concept of the tire kicker. And I, I, I tell you, I don't like the concept of the tire kicker. When you observe someone looking at your, process, at your, your service or your goods and you see them as a tire kicker and you treat them that way, you have closed the door because a lot of times it takes several impressions before someone even has a, an interest or a clue of doing business with you. That's why ads are sold on TV and you see banner ads and you see billboard ads. They know that that exposure is not going to lead directly to a sale, but people need to get to know you, okay, need to have heard about you, and that's why you need to offer value first. Let them come and poke around. Put something out there for free. 
Give them a tree trial. Let them experience the product at some level, the product or service, so that you can establish value and credibility and even maybe some rapport. Talk to people. Hear their need. Hear what it is they really hope to obtain because it's like when I told you the example of going into that restaurant and that person says, may I interest you in the lobster thermidor, and they begin to tell you about how the buttery flavor, it it opens you up to consider something you may not even have considered because there is a desire for the thing that you have created. So, guys, listen. If you're in sales, don't be afraid to sell. First, you need to believe in your product or service and believe that it is enhancing someone. If you're, if you're doing it slimy, you're doing it wrong. Trudy Behrman here. You know, I'm I am super simple to find at trudybearman.com, and I look forward to connecting with you. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. 2014 is the year for your abundance. Let's pick up the momentum and press on for the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. Trudy Behrman here saying I love you all, and I'll see you. Thanks.